Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, March 9th. Oh, no, it's not that. It's Tuesday, March 16th. Whoops. And this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Uh, Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44. We will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph on page 44 that starts with, To One Who Feels, and ends with, Alternatives to Faith. Today's readers are Maura Z, Marge E, Nancy P, Leslie M., and that's it actually for today. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, March 15, 2021, are 16,582 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 16582. And 16,583 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 16583. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Maura Z to read the OA 12 Thank you, Rebecca. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Maura Z. I will now ask Marge E. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Thank you so much. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, our group, group purpose for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Nine, oh boy, I think this time change has gotten to me. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those that serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public Relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Marge E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. To 
today we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph on page 44 that starts with to one who feels and ends with alternatives to faith. I will now ask Nancy P to go ahead and read that for us. Hi, good morning. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts, right next to Boston. Thank you so much for the opportunity to do service. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such, as, such an experience seems impossible, but to, but to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Let me just set my timer. And okay, so Nancy P. recovered in West Newton. Um, I'm very agnostic, and I tell people all the time that the only reason I'm not an out and out atheist is because I might be wrong and I'm hedging my bets. So before I recovered, I choked on the idea of having a spiritual experience. I thought that the only way to have one was to be a Bible thumping zealot, foaming at the mouth, writhing on the floor, speaking in tongues at some tent revival. Um, and my mind literally snapped shut. I could hear the clang, and I'd heave a sigh of relief and think, Phew, good riddance to bad rubbish. And that's what I thought, you know. It did seem impossible, but it only seemed impossible for me because I saw people all around me that it seemed to work for. They were, you know, thrilled, you know, with their lives, and I couldn't figure out a way to make it work for me. And it was the God thing, and it didn't work for me. And in my less fearful moments, and by less fearful, I mean in the space between chewing and swallowing, I was convinced that by living, um, spir- living by spiritual principles meant that I would have to be one of those small-town do-gooders, you know, president of the garden club, and nobody can decorate their house at Christmas with anything except white lights at the holidays. And, you know, why, yuck, why would I want to do that? And... Um, it was terrifying to me to think about living on a spiritual basis or by spiritual principles or whatever. And the reason for that fear was because, as usual, Nancy P. thought that she had to start at the end, not at the beginning. And even to this day, I struggle. That's probably the, the biggest struggle that I have is that I never want to get anywhere. I just want to be there. And I didn't understand that the people who I admire were once like me, that they didn't always have the answers. They, didn't, they, they had to learn, too, you know. That's shorthand for I'm not special. And I didn't realize at this point when I was reading the book at this point, when I, as I was studying with my sponsor before I recovered, that it's the journey itself that is the destination. There is no end, no goal. It's not one and done. It just goes on and on and on over and over again. And based on my life experience, being doomed to an alcoholic death or, being, or living on a spiritual basis, not always being an easy al- alternative to face is a massive understatement because even if I thought about it before, of course, immediately ignoring it, as it says in a future paragraph, I didn't even recognize that I was exactly in that space. I never identified with God or anything like it. It completely turned me off. The whole idea of God is still today something I don't care about or have any interest in. I don't care at all. I couldn't care less. And if the world goes nowhere and spins nothing or whatever, you know, means nothing, it doesn't matter to me. If I think about it at all, it's a part of nature and nature's majesty, and I'm good with that. The only thing that I care about is what I've settled on that works for me, for Nancy P. It doesn't have to work for anybody else, just for me. And, you know, I've said before, I'm data-driven, and the data show me it works because I haven't hurt myself with food since 2017. And from 1971 to 2017, I tried to believe, I tried and tried and tried, and I finally came out of the closet with my agnosticism. I'll I'll, um, finish up um, um, and just tell you that um, 
I'm agnostic and I love it. I'm recovered, I'm happy, joyous, and free, and I'm agnostic. I'm all of that, but I'm also something else that allowed me to come out of the closet and say that I'm wicked, not into God, like at all. And today I'm going to give you a zillion guesses instead of a billion. And as usual, the answer is surrender, surrender, surrender. That was the only hard part. And um, I have to chop things up into smaller pieces so that I can embrace them. I'm just built that way. And my little pieces that I had to chop up are surrender, awaken, experience. If I keep my surrender strong and healthy, I stay awake, I gain experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy P. from Massachusetts. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on an A Vision for You meeting on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the second paragraph on page 44 to one who feels through alternatives to faith, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Barbara E. Barbara E. Christina J. Christina J. Sandy S. Sandy S. Nessa R. Nessa R. Nancy Hill in Georgia. Nancy, would that be H? Hill. L, L, L. I thought uh-huh. you said Hill. Gotcha. Oh, Hill, no, Nancy. no. <laughs> I thought you were giving us your full last name. Okay. Um, is anyone unmuted and wanting to give their name? Otherwise, we'll stop right there. I'm Maxine. Okay, Maxine. In round what's round. Your first I'm, new, I'm new to the meeting. Hi, Maxine. What's the first initial of your last name? F. F is in Frank. Yes. Okay. We're going to go with Barbara E., Christina J., Sandy S., Nessa R., Nancy L., and Maxine S., and then we'll take more names after Maxine. Barbara E., please take the floor. Good morning, everyone. Barbara E. here in New Jersey. I am so glad that Bill decided with some help to put the chapter We Agnostics in. Because even though I was brought up in a religious faith, we never talked about God. I had no knowledge of God. It was just a word, simply a word. And all I do know, however, that I was powerless. I had no defense against that first bite. I was compulsively overeating gaining hundreds of pounds and losing them over and over again. I needed a defense, one that was not born out of science or mathematical knowledge, but I needed a powerful one because I was slowly dying. My depression over my food issues were killing me. I was hopeless. If I broke a nail, I wanted to call suicide prevention. Everything was a catastrophe. I'm not a scholar, but I think it says on page 44 or something, when I wanted to stop eating, I was unable to stop. And once started and I desired to control the amount I ate, I couldn't. 
other diets worked. They did. They really did. But I had to find a solution to my problem. So a solution is the answer to a problem. In my case, my, my problem was a delusional one, believing things that couldn't possibly be true, like my microwave is controlling my actions in my mind and the weather patterns or my incredible food consumption. And my hopelessness led me to isolate. Nothing was going to save me. And when I was told a power with a capital P could, I scoffed. I resisted thinking that, I, that this power could set me free from my compulsion to kill myself with my insane food obsession. Thank goodness Bill was, in, was convinced to insert Appendix 2 as well, that I could find a God of my own understanding and could open my heart just a bit because my prejudice against this proposition had gotten the way of my getting the faith that I would need. My mental pipes, if you will, were covered with and clogged with all kinds of sludge. I needed a roto-rooter to unplug my pipes before I could begin to be willing to believe. And here's some of the sludge that blocked me. I thought if you believed in God, it meant you were weak. And my sponsor said, well, how's it going for you today, Barb? Not good. Right. Another, oh, all through. Okay. For another time. Wonderful mm. program. Thank you so much for your service. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. Christina J. Good morning. Christina J. from the state of Washington. Recovered for today. I love this chapter. Um, we get to hear, we're going to hear so many experiences of spiritual experiences and spiritual awakenings and different things people use to connect, struggles in connecting. It's just going to be beautiful um, because there's a way for each of us. To me, for every man, there's a spiritual experience. Each one has their own individual spiritual experience. I came in thinking I was living in a spiritual experience. Uh, been been connected to God since I was a kid. God was my dad. You know, I heard on the Sunday special edition, God is Papa. That made me cry. I cried because I so relate to that. I didn't have a dad. Um, I had one, but he wasn't there. He wasn't present. He wasn't available for me, and he was just mean to me. So God, this all-encompassing love, uh, that's what I call mine anyway, became my higher power. And... Um, I went through life with that thinking that I was connected, and I was in certain ways, but I I was also running on my own accord. I learned to uh, do everything my way because um, nobody was showing me any way to do it, so I was going to figure it out. I was going to figure this life out, and I was going to get mine. Like so many of us do when we're young, we forge out in the world green and ready to get it all. And then food was my friend. You know, uh, I didn't, food was my enemy and my friend. Uh, because it turned on me at a certain point. I couldn't eat what I wanted and not gain weight, and that was horror. So to be doomed to be a compulsive overeater and slowly die like a frog in warming, boiling water, or to uh, live on a spiritual basis, how did I finally get to that? Uh, It was rough. It was a rough journey, 60 years of trying to figure this out. And um, like uh, our... uh, Opening share said surrender was the key, uh, but what did I have to surrender? I had to surrender the things that weren't working. Um, 
you know, the food, I would get the food down and then I would start uh, relapsing again. And so what was not working? I was still trying to run life on my own accord. And we're going to learn all about that, and we've already learned a lot about it, about it for the newcomer out there. I had to surrender my life, my career, everything I was pushing, pushing, pushing to do, and surrender to God and let him take the reins. And that's hard because... Um, uh, I had I thought I had it all figured out. Um, so it wasn't easy, and it's not easy each day I have to surrender and see where I'm still holding, see where I'm forecasting out into the future, fear forecasting out into the future. But it's the only way. You know what? I've discovered I don't like what's in my head most of the time. Most of the time what's in my head is a bunch of BS trying to get me to do that, this, that, and the other thing, old habit patterns, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I have to surrender those thoughts to God. And... Um, I don't like what's in my head. And, you know, that's a beautiful gift, actually. All the old ways I used to live are a beautiful gift because God uses those to push me to him. He's like, hey, how do you like those thoughts? They're really uncomfortable, aren't they? So shall we turn to me? Come to me. Come to Papa. Come to Dad. Come to love. Come to love. That's what it is. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Sandy S. Hi, this is Sandy, uh, usually from Asheville, but currently in Florida. Um, what does it mean to live on a spiritual basis? And I experienced that this morning um, when I did my 10th step because I really hurt someone I love, my stepdaughter, with my mood swings, which is what the food helped me calm down. And by the grace of God, I've been abstinent for a longer, for a long, long time. Let me just say that. And God is slowly healing the incredible mood swings that led to so much destruction. And I just drove my stepdaughter crazy with the yes, no's about taking care of her kids, the indecisiveness. And I woke up this morning and I knew I needed to make an amends to her and just say, yes, I will definitely take care of the kids this weekend. And the hardest part of the 10 step was forgiving myself for not being the person I want to be with someone I really love. And, and I just experienced the miracle now, you know, she texted me back. It's fine. You haven't permanently damaged our relationship, but I just, I never know, you know, how I'm going to react or what I'm going to do. And it's it's just like the food with the emotional part. And I just have, as everyone else said, I just have to, you know, for people who are having trouble with abstinence, I'm having trouble with my emotions. I just have to start again, forgive myself, and just do the very next right thing and take all the will I have which I used to get food, went to any length to get it, to forgive myself and to really trust that God is going to heal the emotional tightness, the emotional agitation, whatever it is, the self-hate, that there is a power greater than me that can heal this. And, and, and that's what helps me believe that, that I can have happiness and joy and bring it to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy S. Nessa R. 
Hi, good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R, recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I wanted to share on the uh, words alternatives and um, spiritual life. Um, the, world, the word alternative only appears twice in the big book, and um, it, they, they both are um, with the same meaning and intention. The other part is uh, page 25 where it says, um, if you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position um, where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return to human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go to the bitter end, floating out to the, the consciousness of our intolerable situations, situation as best we could. The other to accept spiritual help. So they both say the same thing. It's um, it's uh, uh, death by food or living with a um, spiritual life. And uh, so this brings me to what is a spiritual life in my, in my experience, in my case. And, um, you know, living spiritual is not just when I, when I go to meetings or when I talk to fellows, um, when I'm praying and meditating, um, um, or even when I'm weighing and measuring my food, you know, every, every decision, every choice, every action, every word um, that comes out of my mouth, everything that I do either brings me closer to God or brings me closer to the food and even things that are not um, um, seemingly related to my food addiction, like, for example, you know, if I choose to yell at the supermarket uh, cashier who sent me to the wrong aisle looking for oatmeal, um, you know, that brings me closer to the, to the food. If I, instead, I'm gracious and I thank her, um, you know, it's no big deal, I'm, I'm moving closer to God. And this is what it means to me to, to, uh, to live a spiritual life. You know, that's, that's why it, uh, in, in step 12 it says in practice these principles in more our affairs. You know, it's very easy to practice the, the principles when we're amongst like-minded people in programming meetings with our sponsors, with our sponsees, um, you know, et cetera. It's another thing altogether to work it with family uh, where there are, there's a lot of baggage and a lot of hot buttons, um, you know, at work or just in our regular daily life. But this has to permeate every aspect of our, of our being, um, um, and going through to the day-to-day, -day, you know, ups and downs and uh, curveballs that God sends us, um, you know. But I consciously or not, I make that 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 decision between those two alternatives, and so I need to make sure that I always make the right choice. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R from Toronto, Canada. Nancy L. Good morning. <clears throat> this is Nancy L. I'm calling in from LaGrange, Georgia. Um, recovered compulsive eater. Um, I just love this this chapter. I'm so glad it's that the authors of this book put it in here. Um, but as a person that has a very very strong belief in God, I'm always so happy to hear from an atheist or an agnostic 
who are still suffering from the same disease I have. And when I first came into the OA program in 2014, I've read about the program, I heard about the program, and it started talking about God. And I thought, well, I've got this. I mean, I've I've believed in God, I guess, since I came out of the womb. Um, but been a very strong believer in God since I was a, at the age of accountability. Um, <clears throat> so what was discouraging for me is, yes, I believed in a higher power, but my higher power that I believed in was not working for me in the way that I thought it would. But then I've discovered that I really did not believe in that higher power when it came to my food. I thought that asking my God to help me with food was a rather silly thing to pray for. I pray for people to be healed from cancer. I pray for people when they travel. But to pray about my food seemed a little silly to me. But after almost dying with this disease that I have in my body and my mind, I found I've got to find another way to speak to and relate to the God, the God that I believe in. But I had to improve my conscious contact with that God. And every day I have conscious contact with this higher power whom I call God. And every day, the God of my understanding is there to get me through one more day with healthy, clean eating of my food. And I'm so grateful for that. But my prayer is for every atheist and every agnostic that they will find this higher power and do have a spiritual experience that will heal them because nobody nobody has to die from this disease. And so I, today, as I pray to mm. my higher power for my food, I also pray for the non-believer that they will not die from this disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy L. from Georgia. Maxine F. Maxine, we can't hear you. Make sure you unmute your phone by pressing star one as well as the mute button on your phone if you have both. Hi, Maxine. I'm from New York, California, and now I live in Texas. (laughs) One of the things that I prayed and prayed and nothing was happening. And I realized it wasn't what I was eating. It was eating me with what was important. And I started to get out of denial, and I prayed to God for enlightenment and to put aside my denial and see things as they are and take things one step at a time. Living one step at a time is the only way. 
Every day is a new day. And I try not to bring the baggage from yesterday into it and to see things just as they are, nothing dramatic. Well, I'm at a stage in life. I'm, I'm living in a retirement community where things are just the way I want them. And I still have problems, but I'm working on them. And uh, I'm doing self-hypnosis as well. And I feel God has brought people into my life and guided me in my choices. And I'm most grateful. I just put my plaque outside the door. Thankful, grateful. And other people don't know what it is, but I do. And that's what's important. I'm really happy I found a way. I thought I was just an unmanageable creature. But God loves us each and every one. And I'm convinced of that. I'm not an atheist. I used to be reluctant. Well, I'm still reluctant to put any rabbi, minister, or whatever between me and God. I can go myself because my religious leader, I found breaking a fast with his son in another part of town. (laughs) And I said, well, what a hypocrite. And I don't need a hypocrite between me and God. I can face God myself. I'm glad you're all here. It's amazing that we're from all parts of the country with similar problems. And we're working on it in the best way possible. Thanks all for being here. I'll take that as a pass, Maxine F. Thank you from Texas. And so if you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the second paragraph on page 44 to one who feels through alternatives to faith, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Bassa O. Bassa Renee A. Renee A. Who was before Renee A? I think it may have been Jen, but I'm not sure. Sheila R. Sheila. Chris M. Chris M. Okay, let me just ask once more. Was Jen O or someone after Vasa O um, trying to get their name on the line and I didn't get it before Renee A? Vivian M. Okay, I'm going to squeeze you in there then, Vivian M, as in Mary? Yes, thank you. Okay, got it. Okay, so this is the lineup. Vasa O, Vivian M, Renee A, Elizabeth will get your initial when you share, Sheila R, and Chris M. Vasa O, please go right ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive over you to calling from 
Florida, Port Charlotte. And I love this paragraph that we just read this morning. And I, we agnostics, um, uh, I grew up in a communist country for the first 15 years of my life. In school, we thought there was no God at home. I grew up in a religious home. And uh, I was more uh, towards the what we were taught in school because that's what everybody thought. All the, you know, the teachers, you know, they know the best. With my parents growing up in an alcoholic home, there was um, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos in the home. And I remember praying to God a few times in my life, God, if you're there, you know. Why don't you come down and put an order, peace in this in, in this home? And I was also in my addiction in those days, and I lived in addiction in addiction home with different kind of addictions. But anyways, I was so excited to find out this was a spiritual program. It was not a religious. I think if when I went to my first meeting, if somebody said to me, "This is a religion." And and this is where God is, and I would have probably walked right out of there. So I'm so grateful. You know, we get what we need, and I got what I need to hear at my first meeting. And uh, it says here, to one who feels he is an atheist, and I felt like I was almost an atheist, but I would have never raised my hand. And I was too embarrassed to say atheist, you know, or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible but to continue as he is means disaster for me it was with the food addiction especially if he's an you know if he's an alcoholic where i was food addict hopeless variety to be doomed to an alcoholic that and that's i i would i was identifying with that with my addiction i was doomed i could not put the food down and i forgot to time myself I could not put the, the food down. I, didn't, I was not obese, but I was gaining and losing the same five pounds, 10, 15 pounds. It was getting progressive to the point I just, I cannot do this. I gave into the food addiction. So it was getting progressive for me. And this is what brought me on my knees. Thank you, my higher power for putting a sponsor in my life, that she was, she followed religion, and she was also in the 12 steps. She followed a higher power, and she geared to me, higher right. power, then I'll wrap it up. The key for me was just to surrender to a power greater than myself. That was, good news, that was the beginning. Thank you, and I've been here for 35 years, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Vivian M., Thank you. This is Vivian M., and um, I'm a compulsive overeater, uh, recovered today in Vermont. Um, this paragraph really struck me. Uh, actually, the whole book struck me. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, you know, I could read things or have things read over and over again, and depending on where I am and spiritually or emotionally, I get something different from it each time. And that's the beauty of this book. It's constantly stretching me and making me grow and think more about um, and behave differently, think more about how I need to be, how I want, God wants me to be. 
And um, this paragraph, uh, you know, as a child, I was always told you, you could have been, you should have been, if only, what if, maybe you can try it this way. That didn't work. How about doing this? Always no acceptance. I was, it was not never acceptance. There was no unconditional acceptance. There was no unconditional love. There was always conditions put on it. And when I, when I was reading this, particularly the last paragraph, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, the last sentence, to be, to, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. This is not saying I'm wrong. This is not saying I'm bad. This is, this is a gentle, not an easy or softer way, but it certainly is a gentle way of inviting me to do the work without fear. Uh, you know, and I come from a really long uh, history of fear, but I, I have yet probably and hopefully never will, ever read this book and feel anxious or feel very scared because it the the, the underpinnings of this book is always God God based and it's a safe place for me to be in this book and and, and learn from this book. And from this I have learned to be abstinent. I've learned to be kinder and gentler, softer spoken I've learned to be slower. I've learned to be, my heart has changed into a person who never knew how to be the person I am today and always wondered, how do you get to be that way? So it, it I, and I know it's divinely inspired because I've never, ever gotten that from another human being, bits and pieces and certainly love and friendship and companionship, but not the depth in my heart of what I get from this and the kindness and gentleness. So for that, I'm just so grateful and I'm in a very peaceful, gentle place this morning as I am more often than not. And I'm just so grateful to be here with all of you. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Vivian M. from Vermont. Renee A. This is Renee A., recovered compulsive overeater from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I I just I was reading this um, paragraph this morning actually after I had been doing some writing on a topic that's pretty close to this and then I opened this up and this is what we're reading today and I you know I I came to the program a uh, well I said I was an atheist but what I really was was an angry um, uh, an angry believer. Um, I believed in God, but I was angry at him because, um, you know, he hadn't cured me, healed me, and done what I wanted him to do. And so um, I, uh, I said I was an atheist, but generally atheists are not angry at something that they don't believe exists. Um, and there was no question uh, that when I arrived here, I was definitely of the hopeless variety, the... Um, I, you know, I was so sick from the disease mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, that I just wanted to kill myself. And um, so, you know, I, I definitely had the phenomenon of craving and the mental obsession. And I had tried for decades, you know, to get out from under that and, and could, wasn't able to do it. Um, and, you know, the thing I know now is that God had his thumb down on me really, really hard. And um, 
it's such a it's such a weird perspective for me because my perspective was I was being persecuted or punished or um, excluded from his favorites or whatever. And what I what I've come to know now is that um, that what I thought was the punishing hand of God was actually a hand of mercy that was reaching out to me and um, drawing him to me uh, through my crisis, basically, because I was in a place where I was doomed to a compulsive overeater death or living on a spiritual basis. And it was not an easy alternative for me, but, um, you know, I, I serve a God today that pursues. And one of the ways that he pursues looks harsh in the natural, but what it is, is it's him drawing me to him. Um, so, you know, I'm one of those crazy people today that is in a roundabout way is almost grateful for my addiction because it brought me to him. Um, and, um, and, you know, I, I live a life today that I just absolutely cannot imagine. I don't even know how I got here, um, except that my higher power, you know, moved me here. So um, for that, I am, I'm so, so grateful. I'm so grateful uh, for his pursuit of me. And um, with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Renee A. from Oklahoma. Elizabeth, and give us your initial. of your last name. Calling Elizabeth to share by pressing star one to unmute as well as unmuting the mute button on your phone. Well, we don't hear Elizabeth, so we're gonna move on to Sheila R. Hi, my name is Sheila R. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovering, and mold bulimic. Um, what I have to say, I guess, is I have not shared on this particular line, and I just wanted to claim my seat, but also um, this is pretty powerful. Um, I was raised and brought up in a, you know, in a religious home, I guess I would say religious, quote, unquote, and um, I went to a school that in the same, and um I was scared. I was very scared of my God because I was taught that I had to tell a stranger what I did wrong when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine and up. And, and I just didn't know what I did wrong. And I made things up um, just because I had to say things. And then also the fact that I had to, um, I was, I was very shy. I didn't want any attention on me. I had very, I guess consider low self-esteem. So I didn't want anybody to acknowledge me. Um, and so I guess I grew up, even though I came out of my shell, I just felt like, God, you don't need to worry about me. I'll just take care of myself because I'm not worthy or, you know, whatever. Um, that's how I saw God. So I got into my disease um, with the bulimia because, you know, that's, what I did as a teenager, young teenager, and then the eating. 
um, gaining, losing, gaining, losing throughout my adult life. And then just recently coming back to program, I was in program many, many, many years ago, and I wouldn't consider it being in program because then for a very short time. So coming back, I've reestablished before who my God is, and it's not the one I remember as a child. He's loving, he's caring, he's kind, and he wants the best for me. And that's what I see, and that's who he is. So coming back, that part made it much more easier because I know he wants the best for me. And I ask him every day since I've been in program, let it be your will. Thy will be done, not my own. Because um, I know I cannot do this program without him. When I try, it goes awry. When I forget to meditate in the morning or ask for him to take over, it goes awry. Things go awry. So that's all I have to say, and I thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sheila R. I'm going to take Chris M. next, and then I'll see if Elizabeth is available after Chris M. Go ahead, Chris M. Good morning. This is Chris M. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Chris M. Recovered Compulsive Eater in New York. And... um, I got excited to, to share when I heard people sharing. And then I said, all right, let me just go back and read the, um, the paragraph again. And, and, you know, and then it's like, oh, but atheist and agnostic. I'm like, oh, but I'm not an atheist or an agnostic. So I don't know if I should share. <laughs> and I went back and forth even after I put my name out. So I prayed about it. I'm like, all right, because I want to share. I'm trying to share a little bit, you know, once a week or something. I want to exercise that muscle. And um, I read it over and I'm like, all right, but the last, the last sentence says, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. And I said, okay, I can relate to that because I've always thought there was a higher power. Um, I mean, except when I was in college and then I was like, you know, uh, I was dating this guy and he said, he was a smart, like, science guy. And he said, God didn't create man, man created God. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, <laughs> we're just weaklings. We're just trying to figure out what we're doing here. And so we had to create this whole fantasy. Um, but getting, it's so funny, though, getting back into OA is what brought me back to my spiritual life and, and some religious practice. But anyway, um, even though when I walked into the rooms and I saw that it was a spiritual program, and that hit me hard, like, good. Like, I was like, yes. Because at that point, I had started to get into, like, New Age stuff, and that was, like, the mid-'80s, and all that stuff was, was popular, and it was very interesting to me, and the metaphysical stuff. And um, so it, um, it was interesting to me. But today, really today, I'm faced with that question of living on a spiritual basis um, or living in my disease. Every day, I have to make that decision because my – as much as I feel I'm a spiritual person, um, I really need to exercise that muscle that strengthens my the spiritual connection. It, the pull to be, to live in that, that fourth dimension, to live a spiritual life is very strong in me, yet my old ways and my 
thinking pulls me from it. And I ha- I struggle with that because I shared last week that, you know, my kind of my new motto is um, I want to I wanna keep my feet on the ground, but my head in the clouds. And what I mean by head in the clouds is, is live in that, like, spiritual realm. Um, and that is, that's also a balance, too, because I've got to be grounded in this world. But I've also, for my recovery, I need to be, thank you, I need to be willing to live and think and feel on spiritual, a spiritual basis. So um, that is my dilemma today. But um, this program helps me get to where I need to be spiritually. I'm thankful for that. I pass. Thank you, Chris M. from New York. Is Elizabeth available? Maybe not. So we have time for one more three-minute share. Does someone want to take it on that second paragraph on 44? Lou B. Someone B. Lou B. Oh, Lou B. Wonderful. Thank you, Lou B. Go right ahead. Good morning. Thank you. I'm so glad to be able to share. Um, I'm grateful for this program. Thank you for your service, moderator. <clears throat> I haven't talked this morning. My voice is a little raspy. So, um, I, I, you know, for years I was in the rooms and I was thinking that, that I was going to be, well, I didn't think this for years, but <laughs> in the beginning I thought I was going to be the one that it wasn't going to work for. And I didn't set a time, my moderator. Could you please time me? I was going to be the one it didn't work for, you know? I mean, I looked around the room and I saw people living the life that I wanted to live. And I just thought, it's never going to work for me. There's no way it can work for me. Because whenever I had a thought of food, um, I would have to get it. I was driven mentally and bodily to get it. And I just thought, this is, there's just no way that God's going to do this for me. You know, I'm the exception to the rule. And, um, you know, as I kept coming back, uh, and actually, I'm so glad I kept coming back because eventually I made my way to Vision for You and learned about the simple simple program that the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous explains. And when I started to do what the Big Book says and started to take the actions that the Big Book suggests, my life changed. And um, the miracle really did come true for me. So it it, it at a time when I thought it was impossible, or at at one time I thought it was impossible, and today I know that it's very possible. And I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning. I'm on vacation, and I'm with with friends, and um, I need this fellowship. I need each of you, and I need this time to be able to say, you know, what I believe out loud, and um, talk with with like-minded people who are living the kind of life that I want to live, you know, and. Today I really am happy, joyous, and free, and I'm, I feel like I'm living in that fourth dimension. And the impossible has become possible, and, it, and it's because of what other people have shared this morning. I surrender my life. Um, I open my heart. I work the steps to the best of my ability each day, and I just, you know, ask my higher power to give me what I need in each situation and to just show me what, what's next. You know, just what's next, God? I'm ready. Just show me what's next. And, um, you know, today I really do have neutrality with food, and and I never thought that was possible. Never, ever, ever. And, um, 
but it is. So if you're new and you're struggling, keep coming back. Keep listening to this line. Reach out to people who say things that you, you like to hear and um, and just, yeah, I don't know, welcome. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and I uh, am glad to be here. I pass. Thank you, Lou B. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, March 16th, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 16,587. That's 16587. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Leslie M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you, Rebecca S. I am Leslie M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Leslie 